All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 27 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, Frank Saravalli, and Frank, you'll see it, my woodjersey.com. We're live from the woodjersey.com studio. They uh, delivered the uh, the Boston Bruins one, and it fits perfectly on my sliding door. I can actually close it and open it, so I don't even have to take it down. It's pretty sweet, and uh, you can get that jersey uh, for your office, for your fan cave, wherever you like. Go to uh, woodjerseys.com, and you can get one there, and uh, they're going to have uh, new teams that are unveiling all the time. Why'd you pick the Bruins? Um, you know what? Uh, my, my, my late father was, uh, was a big original six guy and I've always actually liked the Bruins logo. So huh. it's interesting. And, uh, We're going to have uh, Ray Ferraro on later and he grew up as a big Boston sports fan in general, Red Sox fan, Bobby Orr fan, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, I still think of all the great offensive players, Phil Esposito doesn't get the respect he deserves, man. Like that guy was a crusher scoring big points before uh, anyone else. And yeah, with uh, Ray Farrar and Jeff O'Neill coming on, I thought I would uh, represent the whale for the fellas today. So it's a lot of new England. Yeah. Have some fun with that. Um, Let's go quickly to the story before we get to our guys, Uh, John Tortorella, not a real big secret, but now it's confirmed. He is out as a head coach. We had Yarmo on the show, Frank, on the rundown a few weeks ago. I get a sense he might lean towards a European coach. What do you think? It's possible. Um, They're in such a unique spot. I mean, I think the other part of this is, you know, maybe that European coach costs a little bit less. That's what I'm most interested in about the Columbus coaching hire. Whoever they pick is how much is it going to cost? Because that seemed to be the sentiment going around was that 
The Blue Jackets might have considered a change at some point this year, probably didn't have much interest in a pandemic year with the team going down the drain to pay two coaches at the same time. Are they going to be willing to pony up and pay for a big name? And the answer remains to be seen, but I think the sentiment is that they're not. Well, speaking of payment, if Rod Brindamore, the reports are 1.8 million, if that's accurate, does that, uh, do you think that's accurate? Number one. And number two, does, does that change the landscape? Like that's a pretty good team. He's fairly big coach. Yeah. You know, I think that it's close, but it's not entirely accurate. And I think that Rod Brindamore's deal has been done for weeks, but the holdup has been that he wants to wait to sign until everyone else in his stable is taken care of the assistant coaches, the trainers, the equipment managers. He wants to make sure that everyone is getting a raise and getting close to market value for their services, which in Carolina with their owner and Tom Dundon, they really have it. A lot of people's wages were scaled back. And so, um, you know, he probably could have gotten more if it were not for his interest in taking care of his people. Okay. Well, that's, so that's fair. it's still and, you know, a below market deal. Whatever Rod Brindamore is signing for the job he's done, probably winning the Jack Adams this year, uh, that team and the president's trophy hunt, they have adopted so much of his persona and, and mentality that um, he's really left his imprint on that team. And I have no doubt he could do that elsewhere, but everyone knows, and that's limiting his, his earning capabilities that he doesn't want to go elsewhere. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And uh, he also made tons of money as a player. So, you know what, maybe he's, he looks for comfort over money every time. And uh, speaking of comfort over money, Kekalainen quickly talking about Patrick Line and, hey, it's a disappointing season. We've got his rights, uh, you know, sees there's no issue in it. I'm very curious about that contract because of what you have to qualify him at. You know, Patrick didn't have a great season for himself. You know, I, I could see him re-signing there, Frank, and w- – not not having to get the $7.5 million qualifying offer. I expect Line to come in below that. Yeah, and I think that's the expectation for everyone with the disappointing season is that he everyone points to the qualifying offer and say you must qualify him at that, but there's no reason that the team and the player can't negotiate something lower than that. Uh, the question is, will the Line camp be interested in not holding the – Columbus Blue Jackets feet to the fire there. I I would say they don't have much leverage at this point, given the way this year played out, but um, Yarmo Kekalainen seemed to be pretty cut and dry on Monday saying we have his rights for the next two years. This would be pretty self-explanatory. So we'll get more into that. Uh, We're going to have a special uh, playoff preview today. Ray Ferraro and uh, Jeff O'Neill are going to be our uh, big guests of the week. Brought to you by Jock MKT. Stay in the game. Uh, Jock market is a hybrid between fantasy sports and the stock market. You trade values of players. You can do it in game. You want to a guy starts out maybe at a dollar ten, scores a goal or two, and suddenly his stock is rising. If you have him, you can sell throughout the game and shares. You can do it in golf. It's fantastic. So check it out jockmkt.com and be sure to try it out for the first time use the promo code dfo20 and that'll get you a 20 dollar deposit the dfo rundown is pleased to welcome in two former hartford whalers you know them as tsn analysts that would be ray ferraro and jeff o'neill welcome to the pod boys thanks frank i wore the green jersey oh had the blue one i think did you? Right? Yeah, I was telling Jason earlier, everyone loves the whale jersey except the people in Hartford. That was a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the green one was way better, though, than the blue. That's like, I never yeah. liked the blue as much. Uh, oh, and I put that, put the whalers right where they are today, right in the Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great spot. I loved it. I just couldn't figure yeah. I just figured the reason I left is because 
there was some diehard whale fans, but it was like everyone was Bruins or Rangers. It was like there just wasn't enough diehard in the middle. Well, hey, yeah. let's start with uh, with the Whalers. We'll start in the in the Central because uh, we know that division. We're going to talk playoff preview. Of course, you got Nashville and Carolina. Nashville just beat them three to one, and then you got the first ever battle of uh, Tampa, Florida. So, uh, Ray, tell me, uh, who do you like? And like, is is there an upset that you can see in either one of those series? Um, the, the only way I think there's an upset, um, is if Tampa just is not healthy enough to play. Um, they've got a laundry list of guys that are out. They lost Barkley Goudreau yesterday. Uh, he, I haven't seen a timeline, but he was indefinite. And, um, you know, you go on the back of Hedman's banged up and playing Stamkos hasn't been playing. And I picked Tampa to win the cup and I still think they're awesome, but I think Florida could sting them. Um, after, you know, that, that's the one that's the, for me, I think Carolina will beat Nashville. Yeah. I think right now Carolina's, I mean, a lot of things have to fall into place, but you're probably looking at that matchup with Florida and Tampa and you're hoping it goes seven and you talk about, you know, people getting stung and injured. You hope a lot of injuries happen and then you can sweep in there, uh, and do some damage to whoever wins that series. Uh, you mentioned Tampa winning the cup, Carolina, man, if anybody's sleeping on them, if you watch them night in and night out, and I think Rod Brindamore might ultimately win the coach of the year, I think systematically in the way they play and, and devote themselves to a team game for two points night in and night out. I don't know if there's a better team in the NHL that do it as consistently as the Carolina hurricanes. They don't have the Connor McDavid. They do not have Austin Matthews, but I'll tell you what, they work and they pressure and they create offense. Their power plays dangerous. Who is going to play in goal for them is going to be a question, a big one going into the playoffs. But I'll tell you what, as far as like the, you know, the, the, the cliche of a team game, they played as good as anybody. Are we not giving the Florida Panthers enough respect? Like I know you just mentioned that they have an opportunity here with Tampa's injuries, mm-hmm. but that team all year long, like you watch their games, they play really hard and they've also got some, some size and some toughness to it. You see that game the other night, 136 penalty minutes. Like that team is actually one that seems pretty well built for the playoffs. It's I, I don't think we give them enough, but Frank, I, I think part of that goes back to last year when people were really excited about them and they fell flat and they were awful. And Bobrovsky was terrible and um, they, you know, they couldn't get a save. They couldn't score. They, they, it just fell apart on them. And this year they've made a, a couple of, I'll say under the radar moves that have really helped their team, helped their balance. I think they'll miss Aaron Ekblad in a, in a playoff series. It's one yeah. thing uh, over the course of the year, you can get other guys to do jobs that, and do them quite well, but rarely do. I mean, I guess Carolina did it when, when they won the cup, Um with a no-name – Pittsburgh did it one year with a no-name group. But, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to miss their their big guy on the, on the back end. I, but they're good. They are – I mean, Barkoff is – he's got to be in the MVP candidate discussion. He has to be. He's had a an amazing year. And and our, our old buddy Joel Quenville's done a, an outstanding job. In, in I was going to say, you look behind the bench, Ray, and you see Joel Quenville, three, three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> I think if there's um, – and I don't really undervalue coaching. I've always thought that the players kind of learn and grow and they figure out these things on the fly. But I'll tell you what, if anybody's been through the wars and understands 
what it takes to win playoff series. And if anybody can get a team jacked up to play and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think they got the guy, they got the right guy behind the bench to do it. And you're right about Ekblad. You will look at the, the body of work Victor Hedman did last year in leading the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Stanley Cup. To have that guy that plays those amount of minutes and quality minutes, uh, pushing play, uh, defending, killing penalties, it's just you can't replace it. Montour is obviously a guy that's gone in there as a plug-and-play guy, but it's just you just get to a point where it's not Ekblad. So, but I love the guy behind the bench, and I love, I love Sam Bennett too. People have talked about transactions at the deadline and what they've done, and I've watched him and the inconsistencies in his games – I've always been a big fan of his watching him come from junior his first playoff series being so successful. And then it just kind of went off the map there. And in conversations I've had with people this year, as much as I love the guy, I, I would always say you better watch him because there's some games where he's not doing a whole lot out there and he's gone down there. And I think he set a record or something for a yeah. 10 game point segments with Florida <laughs> Panthers. I'm like, Crazy. how about Burray played there for crying out loud. So he's a guy and come playoff time. You know, he, he's a guy that will go to war and he'll be a fun player to watch for them. Oh, oh, good. Uh, just one last point about Bennett. Like, don't you think sometimes a guy, a kid needs to get kicked in the ass one time and just, yeah. uh, you, you know what? I, I got to get it. I, I got to dive in here. I, I've, I think I've been in it, but I haven't been in it. I got to dive in. And that's what it looks like Bennett looks like to me. And for it, some it, reason, it seems like it takes one more jersey. Alex yeah. Steen is another example. When he was in Toronto, just kind of, middling around and just not really doing a whole lot where he caught people's attention. He went to St. Louis and he turned into an absolute star and a real good player for a long time. So sometimes it's a second team for a lot of guys where things click. Sometimes it's a third and other times they don't get a chance at the fourth, but that second team seems to make it work for a lot of guys. Is it a kick in the ass or is it an opportunity? Because if you've listened to Sam Bennett, though, his whole thing is I'm not getting the opportunity or the ice time or being put in a position to do what I can offensively. He sort of had that belief the whole time. And in Calgary, the minutes would indicate that he didn't really get it. But now he goes to Florida and he's gotten it. One thing I'll, I'll add to that, Frank, one thing I do, uh, one element to this, I do think it's an indictment on some of the players in Calgary. Because when he's on the ice with a Barkov and a Huberto, he's probably thinking these two players are better than what anything I've seen in Calgary. And obviously, you got to make your own hay. It's difficult as it can be sometimes. You've got to go out there and produce and play as good as you can. But I've played on lines with Hall of Fame players. And when you get that opportunity, he's probably saying to himself, this was not available to me as much as I like John Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. Huberto and Barkov is a different level, and it's a pleasure to play with guys like that as a complimentary piece. See, I, Frank, I think you got to go back all the way to, you know, old mention when he came in as an 18-year-old man. He, he knocked the Vancouver Canucks all over the place. Like, it was yeah. unbelievable to watch. And then he just kind of lost his way. But they still – he was still expected and hoped upon to grow and to score, and he never found it. And then he lost it a little bit. Then he kind of – kind of wander around a little bit you lose your way hell at the start of the year bill um uh that the head coach jeff ward called him in and said do you want to be a winger or a centerman and he said i want to be a centerman and then after three games he went back to jeff ward and said i want to be a winger like he didn't even know anymore Mm -hmm. it it had totally pulled the air out of his game and and as o said sometimes you you just get yourself to a, a new place and you go hey man this is 
this is a lot different. And you're energized. You're not, you're not dragging the mud around with you anymore. It's like, it's just you and you're pumped to play. And he scored his, I think his first game and he's off and running. I just New hope he brings back the, the handlebar mustache. Cause that thing was outstanding. Come on, boys. Hop on the handlebar. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a new relationship. Everybody knows you always play better and you want to look better early on. Uh, hey, Kucherov, fellas, you guys played. He's been out all year long. He's a great player. Can he make an impact for Tampa Bay? Because we all expect him to be ready for the postseason. Yes, absolutely. Um, I missed uh, – my best playoff was in 1993. I got 13 goals in 18 games. Uh, I missed the three previous months with a broken ankle and dislo- or broken leg and dislocated ankle. I played four games, five games when I came back, and I sucked. And I was nowhere near the player that Kucherov is. And so my point is I think it'll take him less time. I didn't even have much time to skate. Like the playoffs were coming, and they're like, you know, where are you at? And I'm like, I think I can play. My ankle was taped like a cast. And I couldn't move. And finally, I just said, the hell with it. I took the tape off and, and I had a great run. I think Kucherov is a game changer for them. Some players have the ability and talent that is above and beyond. I remember Pavel Bure, he didn't play the whole year. He was awaiting a trade and he went to Florida. And I don't, I don't even think he touched his skates. He just put his gear on Long Island. I think he scored a hat trick. They're just so talented. They can just, in, in another example, is Gary Roberts. I know for a fact that if Gary was sitting out for a long time, he would need a lot for his mental and his physical, as far as therapy, as far as on ice, as far as training. I don't think as good a hockey player as Gary Roberts was, he could just fire up and say, I'm going to be amazing right off the bat. He just was a different animal. And obviously he wasn't Kucherov with the skill. Just Kucherov seems like the kind of guy that could not touch the ice. No joke, not touch the ice step on the ice for the playoffs and be so good. You, you just wouldn't believe it with your own eyes. That's what kind of talent we're talking about. All right. So tell me boys, and then we'll move to the North. Uh, your, your two, who are your two finalists and who's going to represent the uh, central in the final four? Uh, I, I'm going to go Carolina and um, you don't have a medical report on Tampa for me right now. Greg. <laughs> no, unfortunately no, okay, not. No, well, that's see, this is uninformed. I'm going to, I'm going to go Carolina and uh, Tampa. And uh, I think Carolina's going to win that division. Well, you said Tampa was going to win the cup. So I well, I'm clearly backpedaling. I'm clearly <laughs> backpedaling because I'm like, they got no players, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I honestly think it's a crapshoot between the two Florida teams, but I'll go with Carolina as well. And I think Florida might bump off uh, Tampa. I think to repeat nowadays is so difficult. And Tampa's just got a good vibe and a good feel. Our Florida has a good vibe and a good feel about them. So I had Tampa winning the cup too, but I say Florida upsets them and they play Carolina to get out of that division and Carolina gets it done. I got to say the tan with Joel's mustache is a good look, solid look. Yeah. He's like a bald Bob Baffert. <laughs> uh, Without the steroids. The uh, we go to the North and – you know, Montreal, all they need is a, a point or a win here in their final two games. Although I guess it's funny, Edmonton could really help their provincial rival. But you know, Edmonton looks like they're playing Winnipeg. And then Toronto, for the most part, is going to play Montreal, which hasn't happened like since 79. The orders and the Jets haven't faced off since 1990. So you get some rivalries for Canadian fans. Let's start, Odaga, Toronto, Montreal. We assume the Habs get in. Um, 
What do you make of that series? And what about the, the questions on both teams potentially in goal? Well, I am a lot more concerned. This is just taking out where I'm from or where I played. I would be very concerned if I was a Montreal Canadiens fan, what I saw the last two games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Other than their 15-game start, the Montreal Canadiens have had a lot of negatives going on in the way they played in Toronto these last two games. They did take the lead on Saturday night, but it's just after that. They don't got a whole lot going. There's not a lot of guys that scare offensively. Drouin is, is obviously out of the lineup, and everybody wishes him the best. But other than Josh Anderson getting the odd breakaway or semi-breakaway and Tyler Toffoli on passes from Nick Suzuki, they don't have a whole lot going offensively. Toronto, I think, is, is, is big-time favorites in that series if they ultimately do the play the Montreal Canadiens, and they just have to get it done. Jack Campbell's got to probably get the start and the first crack at it for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, and they just have to find a way to get to their best hockey and understand that the playoffs is a new ball game, and it's not just about talent now. It's a lot about what's inside for a lot of these guys for them to kind of slay the dragon and get outside the first round but I have the Toronto Maple Leafs as heavy favorites as uh, against the Habs right now. I'm with you. I think the only hope for Montreal in this is that Weber, Gallagher, Price can come back and play and mm -hmm. maybe not 100% of their level, but in a, you know, in a reasonable facsimile. Harry Price getting to 100% would scare the light, the, the, the daylights out of me, I'll yeah. tell you that. If he does what he did last year in the bubble, they're, they're a different team. But sure. where are they going to score? Like, where do they score? You mentioned Anderson and Toffoli and they're, and Suzuki. Man, that, that kid's a good player. But their, their center ice position doesn't worry anybody. Now, Dano is out. Uh, I don't know what his status is. He was out with a concussion. Eric Stahl has is, is not been the player they hoped he was going to be. Kotkaniemi looks like lost on the ice and poor kids, 22 games without a goal. Um, they could make it tough on Toronto. I don't think the games are runaway wins, but for the goaltending stuff, I will say Jack Campbell um, uh, has played beyond what I thought he could play, but this is Jack Campbell this year. Like this isn't, Oh, Jack Campbell's on a hot streak. This has been months. Like what would yeah. make, make us think that he's just going to all of a sudden spring leaks all over the place. He hasn't. He's been fantastic. I, I think Toronto's a heavy favorite in this series. So when you fill me in as a former player, when you're on a team that has struggled in the first round in the past, how much does that, is that a media thing or is that a real thing? Well, when you're in a market like Toronto, it becomes a media thing because the, you know that at the end of the tunnel, that's all you're going to be asked about. But I think the um, Sheldon Keefe and anybody with the Maple Leafs organization uh, Ray um, and Frank and Jason <laughs> have said Tampa Bay, when they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, that was their motivational factor. That was, they were pissed off about that. And all I've heard is when they lost to Columbus in that playoff round, that really motivated them. Anyone that was around the locker room said it wasn't, ah, let's go get them next year, guys. Let's go have a good summer and we'll see what happens. They were pissed off, and I think that they brought that motivation, dedicated themselves to defense, but that is the goal. I mean, they want to go all the way. Their goal is to win the Stanley Cup, but getting out of the first round is a big test for a young, for basically a young team that hasn't been able to do it. We, we heard so much from the start of the year, and I think, it's, I think it's evident in the way the team plays and the way it's built is they went and they wanted to get bigger and older. 
and look at all the veteran guys that they've added here. This is their this is their time to really make an impact. Like none of these guys were around for all these first round losses. They don't, you think Joe Thornton cares about it or Zach Bogosian or Spezza or those, I mean, Spezza has been there for one year, but like, who cares? It's in the past. This is what Wayne Simmons was brought in for. So if they're going to make an impact, not goals and assists, but just in, Hey guys, this is our time now. Last year doesn't matter. Next round doesn't matter. I, I think this is where they can make a difference. I think they do make a difference. All right, let's flip over to the other potential series, Winnipeg and Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton has absolutely dominated that series, seven out of nine. How much does that factor in? Do you throw it out the window, the regular season record, or does it mean something? And is there anything you can hang your hat on if you're Winnipeg over these last three or four weeks as to a reason why you can flip the switch in the playoffs? Well, you can say it doesn't matter. If you're two and seven, you say it doesn't matter. And this is a new season. Um, 1994, we hadn't played the Rangers very well at all because they were way better. And then as Jamie McLennan would say, they should have ended our playoff series in three games because they beat us six, nothing, six, nothing, five, one. Like we weren't even in the same ballpark. I'm not saying that's Winnipeg, but Winnipeg's defense doesn't, this is their problem with Edmonton because they've got those game breakers. Like who the, obviously nobody has been able to slow them down. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Their defense absorbs body blows. They don't stop anything. They're not, they're not a cycle. Like they don't break the cycle. They don't stand up at the line. They just absorb and they've done a pretty good job and their goalie's awesome. I don't think you can do it time after time after time when McDavid's running downhill at you. The way Winnipeg can win is to is to forecheck well enough that Edmonton can't get out of the zone as quick as they want to. Because and the other thing they go ahead, oh. And the other thing they have to do is the way Winnipeg is going to beat Edmonton, and their advantage is when Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid step off the ice. That is what their main advantage is in that, and when those two guys leave the ice because the forward depth of the Winnipeg Jets are better players than what Edmonton is putting on the ice. So you're going to have to figure out a way to limit the damage from the top two guys. And I don't care if you got to go with an Essa and type strategy with McDavid, but you're not going to let him beat you. And the other fascinating matchup will be a net. Can Mike Smith turn back the clock to his Arizona days and go on a playoff run? Or is he going to last for a couple games and then the air is going to come out of it? And you look down at the other end, there's a guy that's very dangerous and can win a series, win a game all by himself. He's that good. So we'll see what happens in that. I would say the one thing that's changed in Edmonton, and maybe it's because it's uh, Dave Tippett's way that he coaches. It's the second year. They've changed some personnel. I, I think they're better suited to play a, a heavier, more patient, low-scoring game than they have in the past, like two guys that have really stood out for me this year in Edmonton. Of course, we can't get past them without talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, but Darnell Nurse has been legit top pair, big minutes, everything you need. And Adam Larson has had a really solid year. He's big and he just doesn't move the puck particularly well, but man, he's a pain, I would think, to play against. I, I think those two guys might be as big a key as anybody else for Edmonton. 
Yeah, the, the style the Jets play, like they like to to run and gun a little bit. The problem is their runners can't gun as well as the order's top two. And I think the big blow for the Jets, to me, it's not a surprise when Nikolai Ehlers went down. Yeah. Like he he creates so much five on five for them goals, but more so just shots and chances. The, their top six is, has really kind of fallen off without him. And, you know, Wheeler's coming off that concussion. I think the Jets, you know, and even Adam Lowry, who knows how good he'll be after the concussion, but the, the you know, depth guys, and I know Jeff and, and Ray, you guys know this, like your depth guys really step up and, and, and James Neal finally is, is getting a little bit better in shape and him and chase on the playoffs are different. You don't have to be the fastest guy to be successful in the playoffs. Can you guys talk about just how much the game changes and how I know speed's part of the game, but it doesn't seem to be as important come playoff time. Well, the, the playoffs are, I went to one finals and it's amazing how many different guys. It wasn't about Rod Brindamore. It was a lot about it, but it's not just about Ron Francis, Rod Brindamore or Gary Roberts or myself. It's you need to have, you need to have guys step up and play way above their comfort zone. We had a defenseman named Nick Walleen, who I think scored Merrick Malik. Both of them scored overtime winners for us in that playoff run. Guys got to come out of their comfort zone and do special things to help you win games. And it's just, you, you, like you said, you can fourth line pluggers, like guys got to score big goals. You saw Dallas last year, guys come out of the woodworks. Uh, what is the, what is the kid's name? Kibaranta. Yeah. It's like, this guy comes out of nowhere. The Dallas stars pull him out of their ass. And all of a sudden he's scoring massive goals for them in the playoffs. And that's what you need. That's why everybody in the organization is all there hunkered down watching everybody because guys are coming out of the woodworks from the miners, from, from places you don't know about, and they got to step in and they got to play well. And that's how you win. Oftentimes uh, I found it was a guy that had been forgotten that was on your team. Like he had played his way out of the lineup somehow and just kind of sitting there and he's practicing every day. He's with the black aces and you kind of forget about him. And then two guys get hurt and he's got to go in. And all of a sudden he's a hero one night for us. That's right. With the Islanders. It was David Volick. He was out of the lineup most of the year and we get to game seven in Pittsburgh and he scores two goals. The owners had been pressuring Al Arbor to, to maybe get rid of David, to move David. So after we win game seven, David scores in overtime in Pittsburgh. We're getting on the bus and the owners were glad handing everybody. Hey, great series. And, and uh, Al says, what do you think of David F and Volek now? And then he got on the bus. <laughs> so give us your picks. Oh, I've got Edmonton. Uh, I think Edmonton and Toronto will play. And then for two weeks, we can ar argue who sucks worst, Matthews or McDavid in Canada. Because they're both terrible in the other market. They both stink. Yeah, I say Toronto plays Edmonton, and I think Toronto – I think Toronto's got the deeper team. So they're going to have to figure out a way to deal with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and I think they'll move on. No one's played McDavid this year better than Toronto, right? Uh, maybe Montreal. I think Montreal's uh, – uh, he's had, uh, had a tough go against Montreal this year. They – They've been pretty tight on him, but I think Toronto's better. Like I think Toronto will devise a way to play. This is one I, th I think, Oh, you tell me Sheldon Keith seems to have a great feel to move his lineup around for what he needs in a particular game. I think they can, with the abilities that they have, they can match up well. Um, and, um, and at least tread water with their stars 
If the two stars, Matthews, Marner, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, if they tread water against each other by both scoring five goals, then I, th- I think Toronto wins. Hey, think- boys, what about the Leafs' power play? Like, how garbage can they be? Like, it's they were top five for the first 15 games, and now they're like 10%. You got the well, league's leading goal score. Like, that is one amazing. area they need to address. There's a lot of movement and a lot, a lot going on. I, I don't think I've ever said in my life that a power play might want to go to a more stationary approach and try some some prototypical standard power play plays, getting it down low, the stuff play, the, the little bump to the slot, the pass through the crease to the to Austin Matthews back door. But there's a whole lot of movement going on to plays that everybody knows that they're trying to make happen. The Martin to Matthews through the scene, the shot from out from out from distance. It's like if there's one area of the Maple Leafs game that needs to flip the switch in a hurry, they need to get creative and come up with some shit that nobody's seen before because it's a mess right now. See, and I, and I look at it a little different just because of the way, I mean, it's been terrible. I, I'm with you, like a simple shot and a tip and a, you know, like get pucks or, or get the puck to the net, make something grindy and ugly work once, and then you can open everything up. But the power play becomes less and less important in the playoffs we've seen that through many multiple stanley cup winners if you if your penalty killing does a job for you better than your power play you're probably going to be okay like that means you're limiting the other team's power play it'd be great to have a great power play a great penalty kill right now they don't but they're not getting snowed under because their penalty killing has been really good can they shut down the order's number one power play, though? Oh, right? boy, man, that's the challenge. I don't know what you thought, but when Travis Hamannick took that penalty the other night against Vancouver, oh. I said to Cammy, I go, hey, turn around. McDavid's going to get his 100th point here. Oh, it was yeah. just like, it was like, I don't know how he's going to, she was cleaning in the kitchen, and I'm like, hey, turn around. This is, it's going to be here. And like, it's about limiting opportunities, both with the power play opportunities and the on ice power play opportunities. Yeah. You just can't do it. I still take Toronto. I, I, I mean, I, Toronto's I, Toronto's record. It's as as much as we were talking about Edmonton against Winnipeg being a favorable matchup. Toronto has points in eight out of nine against Edmonton. I I, I don't know that. Maybe because it's Toronto, I think we are our view of them is that it's all run and gun and fluff and uh, skill and and it is lots of skill and lots of offense, but. Watch them play. They don't give up a lot anymore. They've really changed, I think, the way they defend and the way they try to play. It's a better playoff game. Just like I said earlier, I think Edmonton is much more patient in that grindy, ugly 2-1 game. I think Toronto is too. I don't want to pat myself on the back. I need an extra big arm because I'm so big. But (laughs) Zach Bogosian, he might be their best offseason acquisition. He's actually changed the way their their defense core looks and plays. Well, just think he did it in Tampa last year. They're not asking him to be Bogosian, the fourth overall draft pick, and play up and down the ice. Can you steady our penalty killing? Can you steady our third pair? And he's done it in two places in a row. It's interesting to watch how a guy just long circle all the way around. Ron Hainsey, for example. Mm. All of a sudden, he comes to a certain place in his career, and he's like, yep, I got to play this way. And he simple does. role definition, yep. simple role definition, go out there, be physical, don't get scored on, kill penalties and be mean to play against. That's your role. And it's like, it's very simple for him and defined guys before we let you go. Um, so you got Toronto and Carolina 
Just for fun, uh, who do you guys have? Are those two teams going to face each other in the cup, or do you like someone in the East or the uh, the West to come out to make a, a cup final? I, I think Vegas is really good. Like I Vegas is friggin' dangerous. I don't know if the elite centerman is going to ultimately cost them up the middle with it not being there. Uh, Colorado is goddamn dangerous too, man. You watch some of the plays they make nightly. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But Jason, you know what? The Leafs are probably going to win the cup. Oh, there you go. Oh, dog. I love it. And just think in, in that parade that they've had planned for 50 years, somewhere in one of those floats, we're going to see the O-Dog stick his head out and, he, and he's going to be there with his O'Neill 92. And, and then after the parade's over, I'll design the rings for the alumni. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you saw how important it was for Blues alumni when they won oh, a few yeah. years ago. I could see yeah. it being that way for Leafs alumni. Yeah, you know what, Jason? That's a, that's a cool point because uh, we were in St. Louis um, when they won and they had this alumni box that was overflowing guys. It was awesome. It was so cool to see how much it meant to those guys. They were happy because they were alumni, but they were so happy for the guys that were playing. It was real. It wasn't Frank. It was really cool to see those guys. Like legitimate tears flowing in that press box in that, that, that room. It was unreal. Oh dog. Will you cry if the Leafs win? Like a baby, buddy. You have no idea. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot. We know you guys got to run. We really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for hopping on the DFO rundown. You betcha. Right, thanks, see you boys. boys. Thanks. Jeff O'Neill, Ray Ferraro, uh, great guys, always fun, good insight. And uh, I will say, hey, alumni in a lot of markets, when you when you haven't won for a long time, you know they're going to be fired up. And, um, you know, people love to hate on the Leafs. Their fans are extremely loyal. That they've Hey, no fan base has endured more losing than the Leaf fans for different generations. Like, you would have some, you know, 70 and 80-year-old fans who have not seen a championship ever. Like, I could, it would be a big deal if they ever won, for sure. And the other thing, we didn't really talk about it, Frank, like this could be the only time you see McDavid Matthews because after this year, the only time you'll see him in the playoffs is in a cup final. Mm-hmm. And that probably isn't out of the realm of possibility sure. given how to, how well those two teams and players have played. Um, I, it would be appointment television if you could get Leafs Oilers and not just for the, the Matthews McDavid part of it. I mean, as impressive as both of their seasons have been Matthews on a 66 goal pace over an 82 game season, McDavid 155 points pace over an 82 game season. It's, it's incredible. McDavid. And look, we, we, we talked about uh, some hard trophy stuff earlier as well. It, it, there is no debate this year no. with McDavid, uh, with what he's accomplished that hundred points in 53 games is going to go down in league history as one that you remember as much as 50 and 39 and Lemieux's five goals, five ways. That's something that we may never see duplicated again. And it, like I said, runaway McDavid has more assists than Austin Matthews has points, but nonetheless to see two generational talents, goal scoring and production wise line up against each other for a seven game series. Like, come on. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. You look Tampa, Florida, first time they're meeting in the playoffs. I think that's awesome for those two markets. And, you know, they got a few fans that they can get in the building, but I think that could start. Florida's got a good team. Tampa's a good team, but Florida should be a team now to reckon with for a few years. And, you know, same as Carolina, like that could be some great rivalries 
in that division moving forward. And, you know, uh, Vegas and Colorado likely aren't, well, they're not going to be in the same division next year. So this might be the only time, you know, you really see them in a division matchup. Uh, you know, we'll get to the East on Friday and the West on Friday, Frank, uh, to break down those two uh, divisions. And, uh, you know, we got to some another former NHLer joining us on Friday to discuss that. So, so that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of the picks today. I mean, I, I think I, I like Florida to beat Tampa for all the reasons they mentioned injury-wise and just how well Florida's played. So then you've, And I, I think Carolina takes care of Nashville pretty easily, although UC Saros and his numbers are – talk about a goaltender that could steal a series. The way he's played 950 over the last 25 games is insane. Uh, that's So Carolina, Florida, and I like Carolina to emerge. And I think for all the reasons – the two guys mentioned about uh, Toronto and Edmonton too. Uh, it's hard to not like the Leafs given how well I think they've played against McDavid and dry cycle this year. That's uh, going to be a lot of fun. And uh, thanks to a uh, manscape for uh, sponsoring our uh, playoff preview. Uh, they've got the lawnmower 4.0. It's officially launched and trust me, it'll, uh, it'll make a difference. Gentlemen, you definitely uh, want to look at it. And as Frank says, it's almost a gift for your wife as much as it is for you. So uh, no nicks, no scrapes, uh, Mo and Joe will really appreciate it. So check it out at Manscaped. Uh, coming up on Friday, we will uh, preview the East and the West. Uh, have a good week, Frank. Uh, we'll see if uh, the Canadians can uh, finish things off or if uh, if the orders give the Calgary Flames some life this week. Not a chance. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.